1: What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. This is the Off Day Debrief. I am Rob statz Carrera. He is Brandon Lee Gouton Before we get started, I want to remind you we are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. BLG. I want to say to you, before we get rolling officially here, a very, very belated 30th birthday to you. I hope you had a great day yesterday. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I'm glad that you are back in one piece to do the show with me.
2: Thank you, Stats. Thank you to the listeners, the uh, my friends, family, everyone. Thank you to the NFL schedule makers who decided to have... Uh, a weekend where the Eagles didn't have a game because they played on Thursday and <laughs> so the weekend of my birthday. So I really appreciate that as well. Uh, obviously done, especially for me. Uh, yeah. So I'm 30 now stats. I'm old, just like you. So here we are. <laughs> wow.
1: For, so like for me, when I turned 30, it was like a big deal in my head. I was like, holy crap, I'm officially not a kid anymore. I, you yeah. know, my whole like identity at that point was wrapped up and always being like the young kid. And now it's like, wait, I'm just a 30 year old dude with a kid of my own. Like, oh, my goodness.
2: A lot of people didn't realize I was only turning 30. I think I come off maybe as a bit of an old soul stat. So uh there you go. But I'm no longer young. So it's over for me. i did not think you were that young Like when i found out it was 30 i was like
1: what you know what it is you have the deep voice and the beard and
2: that (laughs) threw me i'm not gonna lie and no hair yeah then that doesn't help either so
1: well you've always got a hat on when we when we record a little peek behind the curtain uh we always say on this show if you leave us a rating and a review we will read it on the show so that brings me to this mario capricchini who says, Dear Stats and BLG, as always, I enjoy the podcast. You offer an entertaining and insightful analysis of current issues relevant to the NFL and, of course, the only 100% accurate power rankings. That is totally true. Other shows are mad about it. We've heard a lot of complaints, but we can't help it. BLG does help reset the state of the league every week with the only 100% accurate power rankings. Mario says, I have one concern about the recent podcast. Mm. Certainly, Urban Meyer did a despicable act and John Gruden spoke despicable things. I did not read what he actually said because I do not want to know. They both belong in your pit of misery. I am not aware that either man has represented, has repented of their sin. Excuse me. But if they do, you should let them out of the pit. Mm. Do you agree with that?
2: No. Once you're in the pit, you can't get out. It's just, that's why it's the pit of misery. It's not the, the pit of temporary pain. You know, It's, it's forever <laughs> <Temporary> misery.
1: Discomfort. <laughs>
2: And uh, I want to take uh, a little moment here for self-critique stats of us last week, or at least more so me. I'm not going to critique you. Um, when we talked about the Gruden thing and everything, no excuses here. It, kinda, it was just like a weird situation because it came down like hours, before, a couple, like literally a couple hours before we did the show because we recorded later that night on Monday Night Football after Gruden got fired during the game. Um, I think uh, uh, as a listener of the podcast, my good friend Holden pointed out, I think uh, it, it was probably important for us to touch on too, like – John Gruden, not the only kind of bad person in the NFL. Uh, like the the kind of what happened with him, probably kind of it touches on a toxic culture in the NFL that goes beyond him. Obviously, not trying to not trying to you know excuse him. I'm just saying it's probably not just him. Um, so just wanted to touch on that real quickly because I feel like I kind of didn't stress that enough. That uh, obviously you're seeing this investigation into the Washington Football Team and everything that there are issues beyond. Uh, just one person, so just wanted to kind of add that in to our discussion from last week
1: hundred percent. Gruden deserves everything that came his way, but he is by no means alone in this and they should absolutely release those 600 and what is it six hundred and thirty thousand six hundred fifty thousand emails so we can comb through this stuff and get anybody that has beliefs anywhere near John Gruden's completely out of the league. There is no room for that anywhere in society and especially in the NFL. Mario says you have young people in your audience do not set them an example. Uh, by being unforgiving and saying that these men are permanent residents of the pit of misery. I am 66 years old and can look past your emotional statements, but teens do not yet possess the discernment to do the same.
2: I appreciate Mario Cap, by the way, stats for being the most dedicated reviewer there is. I mean every other listener, with all due respect, you're falling behind Mario Cap in terms of the rating and reviewing and this the constant feedback. So big shout out to Mario. I don't necessarily agree, obviously I mean I'm keeping those people in the pit of misery. Uh, but I, your, your statement is acknowledged.
1: I understand that, you know, everybody makes mistakes and people can grow and change and that's fine. But when it comes to somebody like John Gruden and the things he said, I want to see it before I let you out of the pit of misery. Let me see it. And let me see that it's genuine and authentic. And then maybe I'll consider letting you out, but I'm just not going to hand it to you right away just because you issue one terse apology like John Gruden did. All right, BOG, let's get into the Monday Night Football game and let's get into your power rankings. Incredible game last night between the Bills and the Titans. Tennessee gets the 34 to 31 win thanks to and I can't believe I'm saying this, two huge stops from their defense, including right at the end of the game on the 3-yard line, the Bills go for it on fourth down, they don't get it, Tennessee walks away with the win your thoughts.
2: I feel like Josh Allen has to be one of the hardest quarterbacks in the NFL to stop on a sneak and the Titans did it and that's crazy to me. I think Allen didn't help himself by kind of like tripping or obviously kind of like sneaking right into Jeffrey Simmons Um, (laughs) but still like it's crazy. I just feel like you know if he like jumps there instead of tries to you know just like pile forward and, and go down but actually you know tries to get some error of verticality, which he can. We've seen Josh Allen jump before, like maybe he gets that. Um, But I think the Bills deserve to lose that game. Uh, One of the biggest issues I had stats was that I know it's funny because everyone's killing Sean McDermott for being a little too aggressive at the end and going for it. I mean, I think the problem was he wasn't aggressive enough earlier on when the Bills have a fourth and three from the five yard line early on in the game, and they kick a twenty-four yard field goal from there. Like that is, to me, that's when you lose the game. And I I feel like the Bills thought that like, okay, you know, this Titans team, they're not that great. They lost to the Jets. We don't need to kind of go all out against them. Yep. We'll play safe. And guess what? You know what? playing safe guess where that got you it got you a loss so i think the bills deserve this loss even though like it's a slim margin of victory it almost came down to them being able to you know pull this off i, I think they ultimately deserve this
1: 100 percent. i've said it on any show i have hosted field goals are failures it just is when a touchdown is worth six and a field goal is worth three there's no other way to look at it so What do you do now with Tennessee? Because at points this year, I had kind of written them off. But this is a big win over a big contender in the AFC. They put up 34 points. I'm not quite sure what to do with Tennessee now.
2: Yeah, selfishly, uh, as I often am. <laughs> following the Eagles' stats, I've been keeping an eye on the Titans because uh, I want them to win the AFC South so the Colts don't win the AFC South. But I also want them to kind of be bad enough where the Colts still think they have a chance. And <laughs> uh, I was bringing this up just last week where like people were kind of concerned, Eagle fans, meaning people uh, that the Colts lost, and oh no, are they going to bench Carson Wentz? And I was like, I don't think so because the Titans aren't really going to run away with the AFC South, and the Colts are, have some easier games coming up, but. For the Titans to get this win is really big, and it was much needed because they their next game's coming up here. They have the Chiefs; they're hosting them. Uh, then they play in Indy against the Colts for the second time this year, and then they play the Rams. So they have you know a tough couple games up, coming up here. So to get this win over a big you know AFC uh, another team in the AFC like it's it's a really really big win and a key spot. And like I know it came down to the end. And I know Tennessee isn't without their issues. And again, this is a team that lost to the Jets. but still, like, I don't feel great about in the long term. But they have some really good things going for them. Like, Derrick Henry, guess what? The guy's still pretty good can still get it going. Oh Julio Jones, he's still pretty good, too. And just the the aesthetic of him and A.J. Brown is these big-bodied wide receivers who are just, like, tough. And Tannehill, I thought Tannehill played a pretty good game and, and like the way he was throwing it. So uh, the Titans still do have some good things going for them. Uh, you can't rule them out. Um, Vrabel was really aggressive at one point in this game, which paid off a big fourth down conversion instead of just settling for a field goal. So, uh, you know, you you can't write them off just yet. I thought they were worse than they are.
1: Tennessee is, you could see how they are built. They are built to just completely out physical you. But I also think like you kind of said, I think they're mentally tough as well. They did nothing in the first quarter of this game. Ryan Tannehill was looking terrible through an early pick. They just did not. They look like they were going to get their doors blown off, quite frankly. And they didn't. They were resilient. They stuck with it. I mean, the Derrick Henry 75-yard touchdown run. Like, Buffalo has everybody up at the line of scrimmage, and he just breaks through. And I've never seen a running back or any player, really, That's as big and strong as Derrick Henry, but also has the speed. Like he runs through both safeties on that 75 yard touchdown run and they don't catch up to him. Like I'm amazed that he has the speed that he has considering his size and strength.
2: I was watching Derrick Henry play and I'm like, why don't we see more players? Like I, Like this. Now, obviously, that's because Derrick Henry is a freak in nature. That's why. But I'm saying, like, why don't we see more bigger running backs? You know, I feel like a lot of players who are bigger are getting, like, you know, college kids or whatever. They're getting trained at different positions, like you know, a linebacker or or wide receiver. I don't know, whatever. Um, I feel like there should be more investment in some of these bigger players at running back. I mean, again, you're not going to get everyone coming out like Derrick Henry. You're not going to have a league full of Derrick Henry's, but it feels like there should be a little bit more. And I feel like whoever kind of developed him and, or whatever, like, deserves a lot of credit because uh, super unique player. It's insane. It really is. In today's passing NFL... And a league that is so punishing and unforgiving to players, you know, who take all these hits and everything. It is so insane that he's still able to be as effective as he is. It's just nuts. And I, it's really fun, honestly. Derrick Henry, I think, is one of the most fun players in the NFL because he is that, like, mold breaker of what you usually expect out of a running back. And, again, in today's modern NFL, you're thinking more of, like, a pass catcher, shifty kind of guy. This guy is just, like, power, but he has a speed, like you said. It's just fun to watch him play.
1: I love Derrick Henry. I'm always amazed by him. Every time you think like, well, you know, maybe the carries have taken their toll or whatever. He just, nope, just breaks off, you know, 75 yard touchdown run, 20 carries, 143 yards on the day, three touchdowns, Tennessee gets it done. So on the flip side, what do you do with Buffalo now? You have the bills at number five in your power rankings. How much do you ding them? On the one hand, you could say, hey, it was a close game. On the other hand, you could say you got beat by a team that lost to the Jets.
2: Yeah, that's the concerning part. (laughs) Again, (laughs) I I think the team they lost to isn't that great. I don't, you know, they're still in the top five. So they're still in that, you know, I think championship contending uh, spot. But I mean, here's the thing. The AFC at the top, I think, is pretty tough. And now the Ravens are the top seed and this loss to the Titans, at least for now, we'll see how things shake out. But what if that ends up costing the bills, the top spot, I think that top spot, obviously in both conference, uh, is really important in being able to get that, that bye weekend. So, um, I don't think it means the Bills are going to like spiral out of control all of a sudden. But I do think, you know, that one mistake might not be like emblematic of these future problems to come. But it, like that could be the difference in the playoffs, like not getting that buy. So and it could be a big difference for the Ravens, who are all of a sudden looking very good. Uh, after I said in week one that you could stick a fork in them if they lost to the Raiders. <laughs> Apparently you cannot do that. Um, so that's where we are.
1: All right, well, let's take a break and when we come back, we'll get to the power rankings for week seven and we'll get to our MVP and LVP points as well. I've got a couple issues with the power rankings. We're gonna have it out when we come back.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs
1: Back here on the Off Day Debrief. All right, BLG, this is week seven of your power rankings. Let's dive right in. As always, I will read the top ten, and we will react from there. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals, fresh off their beatdown of the Cleveland Browns. They were number two last week. Congratulations, Arizona. You are number one this week. The Rams beat the Giants. Congratulations. They are up from number three to number two. The Ravens, who I think made the statement win of the week, are at number three. Tampa Bay is four. Buffalo, as we said, is five, down from number one. What a a tumble by the Bills. Green Bay at number six. Dallas at number seven. I know that has to sting for you, BLG. Eight, the Chargers. Nine, the Kansas City Chefs. And ten, the Cleveland Browns. One spot outside of the Browns, by the way, the Cincinnati Bengals. Talk about things I never would have guessed, but I totally get it from your perspective. All right, let's start at the top. Obviously, number one, Arizona Cardinals. They're undefeated. They just polax the Cleveland Browns. Was it easy to put them at number one, or did you have a tough debate?
2: I mean, who cannot have the Cardinals at number one? Like, haven't they earned that at this point? They should be the the consensus, and they're the only undefeated team. They just got Zach Ertz stats. They added another weapon to the mix. Kyler's playing well. Um, I believe he has seven touchdowns, zero interceptions in his last three games, and coming against quality opponents, too. I mean, everyone's making a big deal out of the fact that they didn't even have Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe that was an advantage (laughs) that they didn't have him. And Cleveland clearly didn't matter a lot. I mean, mean, obviously, uh, like... I guess, you know, like he was able to communicate throughout the week and everything and part of the process and game planning and everything. So it's not like he literally didn't contribute anything at all. to prep work, but, uh, you know, maybe you don't need him on game day. Uh, so yeah, I think they have to be number one.
1: It makes sense. They didn't also didn't have Chandler Jones, by the way, their best pass rusher. Like everything's coming up Arizona and they took advantage of some Cleveland mistakes early in the game. They got touchdowns and I, It's not fair, and this is maybe just me not wanting to go against my priors, but I still don't think that like the Cardinals are far and away the best team in the league, but you got to give them their due. They're undefeated. All they can do is beat the people on their schedule, and they didn't just eke out the win over the Cleveland Browns. They crushed the Cleveland Browns, 37-14, and the only reason Cleveland scored that many is because Baker threw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half, so Arizona number one. I want to give them their credit congratulations cardinals rams at number two you move them up from three they only beat the giants are you really that much more impressed with la
2: well it was part of it's, you know the ebb and flow here of the rankings that's and i, I had to move the bills down so that kind of by default moves the other teams up and i mean i think the rams like in a vacuum could make the case for like the best team in the nfl now You know, they had a three possession loss to the Cardinals, so you can't put them over the Cardinals. Like, that is, you know, I just don't think you can do that at this point, Mm -hmm. but they're rolling. Um, Yeah. You know what's funny? I was reading uh, with your good friend, uh, Ed Valentine. Our good friends, that's uh, on Big Blue View. That uh, like he was in some of the Giants coverage that I saw because I you know I perused the other NFC sites and he was talking about how Sean McVay didn't even seem happy about like the the Rams <laughs> like blowing up. the yeah uh, and that is funny because in a game you they just the Rams dominated um, Sean McVay still wasn't even happy with their performance so uh, the way I put it is the Rams didn't even need like their A game to blow out the Giants and that kind of tells you where both of those teams are.
1: Yeah, I think it tells you more about the Giants and the Rams, but I guess L.A. didn't score any points in the first quarter, so Sean McVay got mad, and then they dropped 28 in the second quarter, and uh, it was off and running. Baltimore at number three. I said it earlier. I think they made the statement win of the week. Um, I know the Cardinals had a good win, but the Cardinals beat a team in the AFC, like opposite conference from then, whereas the Ravens just shut down the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And they were the big bad wolf in that game. They ran the Chargers right off the field. And by the way, they lead the league in players on injured reserve. There are 16 Ravens on injured reserve right now. And it doesn't even matter because Lamar Jackson is incredible. John Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. And I was just really, really impressed by what he and what Baltimore did to a really good Chargers team.
2: The Ravens held Justin Herbert to his second worst passer rating of his career. Uh, that's pretty good. And uh, again, Baltimore now the top team in the AFC playoff picture, which is really big. I think, as we've said all along, uh, don't hate Lamar, but we need to see Lamar prove it in the playoffs. And if the Ravens, at this rate, you know, a lot of time left, we'll see. But if they can enter the playoffs as the number one seed, well, that puts them in a pretty good spot to do that, I think. Now, obviously, you know, they were in a good spot in years past. Uh, but also Lamar was a lot younger. and He didn't have that playoff experience uh, under his belt at the time when he was the MVP and everything. So or at least to the same level, obviously he played as a rookie, but not the same thing. So, uh, yeah, so I think the Ravens are the top team in the AFC right now, clearly with the Bills losing. I don't know how you could put Buffalo ahead of them after that loss. The Ravens are are rolling. Um, Their only loss this year, as we know, came in week one when they lost in overtime to the Raiders. In the game, they were, you know, pretty, like, was not really far out of reach. Now, of course, they could have lost to the Lions, too, and got fortunate. So that kind of goes both ways there. But I, d- I just think, I, w- I said it last week, Stats, when we talked about the Ravens-Colts game. And it's kind of funny because, like, it, it's just not that long ago when, okay, the Ravens are trailing to the Colts. Things aren't looking good here. And all of a sudden, they come back. And now they get this statement win. And it's like, hey, they're looking amazing. They're looking great. That's how kind of things can quickly change in the NFL. But yeah, I think the Ravens are in a really good spot and uh, you have to give them credit. One of the things
1: that I wanted to see from Lamar was whether or not he could start doing it from the pocket more consistently. And he absolutely has this season. I think he's among, I think he's in the top five in terms of yards from the pocket this year. He is elevating the play of his wide receiver core, which is mediocre at best and that was something that you and i talked about all offseason that they didn't do enough to help him well he's doing what great quarterbacks do and he is elevating lesser talent around him so yeah all props to the ravens lamar is crushing it right now i think he's absolutely in the mvp discussion i know kyler is there and herbert and a couple other guys but lamar is definitely definitely making his case tampa bay at four they're they're not interesting to me. Like, that's fine. Tampa Bay at four. They're good. Like, what are we gonna say at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, they beat a bad Eagles team. So they did what was expected. They honestly could have done it by more too. Like the game looked closer than it really was. It was twenty eight yes. to twenty two in the end, but the Bucks took a knee, I believe, in like the red zone, you know, to, to to run out the game instead of scoring. Um, there was also a couple of decisions in that game where Bruce Arians was a little too conservative. Speaking of criticizing coaches for doing that, I think maybe against a better opponent, he might have went for it, but he just didn't want to screw around with the Eagles as much. <laughs> um, but yeah, not not really a lot interesting here. I mean, the only thing I had is that like Tom Brady's thumb doesn't seem to be an issue at all, clearly. And then I will say, like maybe one thing if interesting. Um, if we're tying a fantasy aspect here too, is Leonard Fournette seems to kind of be hitting his stride there in Tampa Bay and kind of being a nice complement to uh, their passing attack. Like if you look at his numbers, you know, compared to to last year, you know, he's seeing more volume this year and he's not like, you know, not blowing people away as like the best back in the league, but he's just solid. He's a really good piece for them.
1: And that's all they need when you've got the passing attack that they have solid is, is plenty good. And by the way, you mentioned Brady's hand. He is one of the best players at producing while injured I think I have ever seen in the league. What, remember when he had the, the sliced hand in the play? Apparently Brady's hands take a beating. In the playoffs with the Patriots, his hand, he had that cut on his hand that he sustained at practice. No problem. Just goes out and drops like 300 yards or whatever it was. Like He plays hurt better than almost any other quarterback that I can think of. So props to Tom Brady This just in. He's really good. Buffalo 5, Green Bay at 6. And I just want to say this about the Packers, BLG. Aaron Rodgers shouting I own you after he oh, scores yes. the icing touchdown against the bit like Dude, you beat the Bears. You beat oh, a come on, come Fields. on, come like, on! Congratulations! I just thought that was such weak sauce from Aaron
2: Rodgers. I, I, this is such weak sauce from you. I can't believe I'm tempted now to give you one of my LVP points or my only LVP <laughs> point this week. This is this is the worst take I've right. seen. I can't believe because this isn't even like what you like. You don't you like fun stats? Like, don't you want to see like the NFL be like like this fun thing and more dramatic? What did you want him to do? Just like like run into the end zone and then like have no emotion about it it was a big it was a big play and a big moment and I think what made that moment really cool to me at least was like so sometimes you see players run into the end zone they get tackled a little late or kind of like you know it's like they're obviously they're gonna score and I was almost wondering like how are we gonna react to that is he gonna get mad or whatever he didn't get mad he just responded by like like smiling as like a true heel, as a villain, and looking around <laughs> the stadium, and obviously, apparently, uh, and I saw some of the shots too of the, all the fans giving him the middle finger, and he can talk Ooh. trash because it's true. He does own them, though. He does own them.
1: He absolutely and does. I think he's like twenty-two and five or twenty-two and six against them in his career. He
2: is, and I know it's the Bears, but like, so, so what? It's like a big. Not only is it a big division rivalry, um, like in that, like division games are tougher like they're not always just easier and uh even if it's the worst team and obviously it's a long-standing rivalry too just you know going back in nfl history one of the oldest rivalries and rivalries in the league so uh i can't believe you would try to talk down you just don't you just hate aaron Rodgers. that's really what the crux of this is
1: i am not going to deny that i to be <laughs> clear i have no issue with him talking trash at all like you said i like that stuff i like the fun I just didn't specifically like what he said when he was talking trash. I love that. The first thing he did after he scored the touchdown was he did the championship belt celebration, especially because that essentially put the Packers in first place in the division. So, like, I'm down. I'm here for all that. I just didn't like specifically like I still own you Was like I thought he could do a little better than that. That's all I'm saying.
2: I really like how that camera was in place for that. Like, don't you think that was like an underrated moment of that at all? Like, <laughs> like how many times do you see celebrations where like the camera is like literally like right up in his face? Because how many times do, are you even catching audio of what players yeah. are saying after a touchdown? So I think that was hopefully should be like a lesson for the NFL in terms of like maybe getting some more mics, maybe getting some more cameras or, or like paying more attention to where these everything is positioned like this. We need more of this is, is my point. The, the NFL needs more of a like WWE or AEW now, whatever, flair, like that dramatic flair to it, like organically, not like forced, but like this is in in this kind of way. And I I think it's there and I think they could do it. And it's such a big deal. Like this is everywhere. This is like the biggest story, I feel like, coming out of NFL week six, like that moment, like something that didn't even happen on the field or in terms of like game, you know, like actual play, uh, something that happened after. Like people really love this. And uh, I think it's great. It's great for the sport. Uh, It's just fun. We want more fun. And the NFL should want more fun. Uh, And it's so silly, too, that, like, oh, you can't taunt. Taunting is bad. We have these penalties for taunting. But then, like, this moment is so celebrated.
1: Well, that's why I liked, and this is going to take us into the next team I want to talk about, the Dallas Cowboys at 7. I loved CeeDee Lamb scoring the game-winning touchdown and then immediately waving right in the face of the defender. And guess what? The second he scores the touchdown, the game is over. So he can't get a taunting penalty. So good work, CeeDee Lamb.
2: I did see. Apparently, the NFL deleted that tweet of CD Lamb taunting him. <laughs> it's like they didn't. <laughs> of course, they didn't they want did. to promote that. Uh, Jalen Mills, by the way, uh, former Eagles cornerback who was beat on that play, or you know, and I didn't really love that from Jalen Mills, by the way. Like, clearly a late tackle, probably should have been a flag. I mean, the yeah. game is over, so what doesn't matter. But like, you know, come on, I get we were frustrated, he lost, but like, it, it was a little late there, Jalen. Um, but yeah, uh, I have the Cowboys at number seven here. Not much to say about them. Uh, not they're much on to this. Say
1: about that, not much
2: to say about them stats. just I mean, but like, the, who are they playing? Like, look at the quarter. RJ, to, I'm not even being a hater here. RJ said this before uh this all happened but like look at the run he kept saying look at the run of quarterbacks that the the, uh the cowboys get to face like they're they're nobodies and that was his big reasoning why the cowboys are going to win the nfc so uh, i'm not trying to take credit away from them because you beat them you you know you took uh care of everything and i think mac jones is decent not great or anything but like solid respectable at the very least um so you know they're winning they have a really good offense uh they invested in it Trayvon Diggs obviously just doesn't even make sense. The production, (laughs) it's it's not sustainable. How can you have an interception every week? Like that is, that's just nuts. Uh, So I just don't think there's much to say from the standpoint of like, we didn't learn anything about them. Like we know they have a really good offense and Trayvon Diggs is having a great year and that's just continuing.
1: You are such a poo-pooer, man. I swear to God, (laughs) you are so poo-pooing the Cowboys. No, I'm not. How? I think that this is, and and I want to ask RJ about this on Thursday. I think that this is the greatest Cowboys offense in the history of that franchise. And I Hmm. I don't think it's really close. Dak is on another planet right now. He has 16 touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. Zeke is running for his highest yards per attempt since his rookie year and he's getting less carries, so they're getting more production out of him and giving him less wear and tear. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are great. They don't even have Michael Gallup right now. It has not mattered at all. I think this is the best Cowboys offense in the history of the franchise, and by the way, you mentioned that defense. Ten straight games with two or more turnovers by that defense. If they do that, They are not going to lose because nobody can slow down this offense. That is the most yards anybody has ever put up on a Bill Belichick defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, it yes, it did. But like some of that, (laughs) I don't love that stat just because like it's not the same Patriots. When Tom Brady is there, it's not the same Bill Belichick. Like Bill Belichick loses his luster when Tom Brady isn't there anymore. Uh, The Cowboys are a great example of why you should invest in offense in the NFL. Like that should be the priority. And it's frustrating by contrast, when you see these teams who don't or haven't been able to do that like that, like get a quarterback and then actually put good pieces around him and surround him with a lot of talent and then you have something special going, and then the defense doesn't even need to be like shut down and not allow a single yard as much as it like you're saying. It just needs to be opportunistic, and you get some takeaways. And I guess some of that has to feel unsustainable just from the takeaways. Again, just just from the Trayvon Diggs element alone. Like it, like we keep. It's so weird though because like we we keep saying he can't have an interception every week, and then he does, and it's like, well, I guess he can, <laughs> but like that, that can't, right? Like he's not going to finish the season with what 18 interceptions or or you know whatever. At he's least whatever in six games yeah so 19 or 20 whatever like that can't happen but um yeah so cowboys are in a really good spot they're gonna run away at the nfc east obviously because the eagles aren't doing anything the eagles schedule lightens up so maybe like in theory like you know the cowboys don't clinch it by like whatever but i mean they're in command they're not going to lose that and then washington and the giants aren't doing anything so yeah the cowboys are going to roll into uh, a really good spot in the playoffs, presumably, which is not great. Although, I do wonder if they will get that one seed. Um, I guess it really kind of comes down to them and the Packers here. Unless, you know, well, the Rams and the Cardinals at the top too. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, would like to see the Cowboys not get the one seed, personally. So, I hope that doesn't happen.
1: Cowboys will play the Cardinals in Week 17. Uh, hmm. So, that, that could obviously be important for seeding. They do not play the Packers. All right, we talked about the Chargers loss a little bit. I don't want to ding them too much. They lost, but they lost to a really good Ravens team. It happens. I'm more interested in the Chiefs at number nine. The Chiefs, to me, BLG, they just give off a vibe of we're too cool for school. They have 14 turnovers. That's the most in the entire league. I just don't know if they have the same hunger that they have had in previous seasons.
2: I Maybe this is insane. Tell me if it is just the way Patrick Mahomes walks sometimes, like the, the strut he carries himself with, like <laughs> it feels like too self-aware. Like I see him like doing that little strut thing, like like you, like to your point about being too, school, too cool for school. Like the Chiefs are like very self-aware of like how supposedly good they think they are. And obviously they've earned some of that in the past for being so great. But like right now you're not. You're really not like, you know, playing at this amazing level as a whole. Now, look. They didn't play great, and they still beat Washington with ease, which is, again, a testament to how talented and how good some of those players and the operation is as a whole. But when you're playing some of these better teams and the teams you kind of can't get away with those mistakes, like the Bills, who you lost to, that's going to be an issue. So... Uh, maybe it's a situation where you know Andy Reid is obviously a very veteran head coach and he kind of figures this thing out and has this team playing their best football towards the end of the year. Maybe the Chiefs go on a run. That's entirely possible. But until then... They look like a team that is obviously really, really good, but they have a number of issues and they're not playing their A game. And that's why we have them at number nine right now. Again, the upward mobility is there, but they're not that same juggernaut that that team we've seen in years past.
1: I mean, just look at their schedule. Who have they beaten and who have they lost to? Every time they've played a really good team, they have lost. They lost to the Ravens, they lost to the Chargers, and they lost to the Bills. Their three wins this year are Washington, the Eagles, and the Mm. Browns. And the Browns' win is looking worse and worse because Cleveland just completely unravels sometimes. So, like you said, I know that they can get it together in Kansas City, and you're right, as long as they're playing well at the end of the year. But right now, it's like, you know, I can't just pencil in the Chiefs for a win up against anybody because they kind of have struggled against the elite teams that they are going to have to face in the AFC.
2: So they get the Titans uh, this coming week, which will be an interesting test to see With the Titans coming off that game. You think they'll probably win that, but it's in Tennessee. So if they lose that one, pretty big concern. They get the Giants after that. They'll beat the Giants. Anyone will beat the Giants. Uh, then they get the Packers and then the Raiders and then the Cowboys and then the Broncos and the Raiders again and then the Chargers again. So uh, not the easiest stretch here. So if they're going to go on a run, then they will, they will really be back and we'll know that, but just based on the schedule it looks like they could kind of have some more ups and downs here and you know I think we all think they're going to make the playoffs but there's a big difference between making the playoffs again as they had as a one seed and getting the buy and everything then there is probably playing on the road because again I don't know that they're winning that division I
1: think that's totally fair and as much as Pete Sweeney doesn't want to hear it I think it's the that is the cold truth All right, let's get to our MVP and LVP points. I have two MVP points this week and one LVP. You have two LVPs
2: and one MVP. Where do you want to start? Why don't we start with one MVP by you stats, and then I'll get to mine, and then we'll finish up with your last MVP.
1: All right, I want to get to somebody who's at their number 11 in your power rankings. I mentioned them earlier. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to give my first MVP point to Jamar. Chase, he is averaging right now 20 and a half yards per catch. I guess he figured out how to catch the NFL ball. Remember when that was a storyline in the preseason? (laughs) Four catches for 97 yards last week. He is fourth in the league in catches, uh, fourth in the league in receiving yards, excuse me, fourth in the league in touchdowns. And he has the second most receiving yards for any rookie through their first six games in NFL history, BLG. Do you have any idea who the record holder in that category is. I I actually had to look it up as soon as I heard the stat. Uh, No. Anquan Bolden, who Hmm. dominated with the Cardinals, came out of the gate with a 200-yard performance in his first game. Uh, So congrats, Anquan Bolden. But Jamar Chase, I mean – I still don't know for sure if the Bengals made the right decision by not taking an offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow, but if you're going to go with the wide receiver in that spot, this is the type of production you have to get out of that pick, and he has absolutely lived up to all the expectations.
2: I think they did make the right pick uh, at this stage, which I think the Bengals have been proving a lot of people wrong. I think they proved people wrong. And when it came to like they're not having this great offseason and Joe Burrow apparently isn't looking that great. And Jamar Chase had a lot of drops and whatever in training camp and everything. And there was a lot of talk that they should have taken Sewell instead of Chase. By the way, sounds like Sewell hasn't looked great in Detroit. So that's something to kind of monitor from this perspective. But uh, the Bengals are doing a good job, I think, so far. Again, approving everyone wrong. That connection between Burrow and Chase is just like so. They just they they're on the same page, and I think that's such a big deal between you know a, a rookie wide receiver like that and obviously a young quarterback as well. Um, so kudos kudos to the Bengals for being <laughs> smarter than everyone else who doubted them, <laughs> and uh, and it's working out for them so far.
1: And they could be five and one, right? If their field goal kicker could make a damn kick, they would have beaten the Packers. They would have been five and one. So yeah, shout out to Cincinnati, Jamar Chase, and everybody there. Nice to see Zach Taylor actually get a couple of wins because I know that we both thought he was not long for the NFL coaching world. My, uh, who is your next MVP? Actually,
2: well, stats. It's someone who once said. Owned you all my effing life. I still own you. I still (laughs) own you. Aaron Rodgers, baby. How could you not want Aaron Rodgers in the spot as an MVP point this week? I mean, that was, that was the, again, that was the biggest moment of week six. It was so good. I love to see it. Uh, I don't even care about Aaron Rodgers or the Bears or anything like that. But (laughs) I was invested in that play because I was like, I, I, you're, you're all lying to yourselves if, You're thinking, uh, if you're not thinking, rather, I want my quarterback to do that. Everyone wants their quarterback to be able to have a big play like that or a player who can kind of pull that off. Like, I am very jealous of that. He gets my MVP point.
1: It was a big play by him. You don't see him scramble that often these days, but when he does it, you know you're kind of screwed because you know he sees something, right? He's not – Aaron Rodgers is not taking off to bounce off a couple tacklers and try to pick up an extra yard. Like, he's running because he sees it's wide open and he could really hurt the defense. He ran it in, they get the win, and I, I guess I understand your point, but I do, I like your other point better about how we need more mics and stuff so that we, because those kind of moments, players say stuff all the time, and we want to be able to pick those up and hear those. All right, my second MVP point actually comes on defense, BLG, and I have to give it to TJ Watt, because He won that game for the Steelers against Seattle. That would have been a hideous loss by the Steelers if they had lost to Geno freaking Smith and the Seahawks at home. They're driving in overtime. It's third and four from the 45, potentially two-down territory, depending on what happens. TJ Watt goes right around the tackle, sacks Geno Smith, 13-yard loss, no chance of going forward on fourth down. That ends that drive. Then Seattle gets the ball back. They're on the 13-yard line. The Seahawks shift the entire offensive line to the right to try and block T.J. Watt. It still doesn't work. He comes up, strips the ball away from Geno Smith. Steelers recover, and that is the game. You talked about Aaron Rodgers, how everybody wants their quarterback to be able to make that kind of play. I know for me that what tj watt did is exactly what i hope nick bosa does in key moments of the game when you have a defensive player like that especially watt now being the highest paid defensive player in the league you want him to make those kind of plays he absolutely rose up and he won that game for the steelers
2: isn't it kind of funny how like tj watt was underrated heading into the draft like I feel like usually you see a player, you know, related to another good player. You would think that player might get like a boost mm-hmm. just because of the name recognition and everything. Like maybe like the Bosa's not that say the Bosa's are overrated, but like that helps like, OK, not only is this a good player, but then he has that name recognition. Well, with TJ Watt, like for some reason, it seemed to like work against him, because if you look at the 2017 NFL draft stats and the pass rushers who were taken before him, you have Hassan Reddick, Derek Barnett, Charles Harris. Tack McKinley, and Taco Charlton. So, tough, tough look for those teams, the Eagles being one of them, who took Derek Barnett, who took uh, those five players instead of TJ Watt, who has been a beast in Pittsburgh. You
1: know what I think it was? I think with him, JJ was so good that it was like, oh, he's not as good as JJ. And it's like, okay, but JJ Watt's a Hall (laughs) of Famer. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. Like... Yeah, he might not be as good as peak J.J. Watt, but T.J. is absolutely dominating, so I wanted to give him a little love. I don't always, you know, give it to defensive
2: guys, so there you go. All right, let's transition to our LVP stats, and I will start with mine before you give your one, uh, one of mine. And it's actually a new entrant into the Pit of Misery. Please follow Sir Brad. He's going to give
1: you a private tour of the Pit of Misery.
2: I'm sorry, what? I am throwing the entire Miami Dolphins into the pit of misery (laughs) because if you lose to Urban Meyer and the Jags who are already in the pit of misery then you deserve to be down there too and it's not just about that loss it's about everything that's going on I think you and RJ have said before like you know it's time for the Dolphins to win you know after going through this rebuild and they're very much not and not only like are they not winning and struggling I mean stats if the Jags can beat the Dolphins if the Dolphins can lose to that team then they can lose to any team. Like I know I know Miami has some winnable games coming up in the rest of their year in terms of like they get the Jets twice, then they get to play the Giants, and I still think they get Houston. So they're probably gonna win maybe at least a couple more games just because they get some really bad opponents. But you can't just like pencil, no. you can't just like put that in stone. Uh, cause this team is really bad. Uh it's kind of weird because I thought Brian Flores was a really good head coach. And I don't think all this is on him, because I think they picked the wrong quarterback, clearly. And I saw people defending Tua after this game. I'm like Like you can't just, I hate when people say, oh, the quarterback wasn't the problem. Okay, well, the quarterback isn't getting paid and being drafted just to be not the problem. They're getting paid to be the solution. And Tua is very clearly not the solution. At the end of the day, at like a very basic level, Tua, and his offense put up 20 points, only 20 points against the Jags. And it wasn't in a road stadium, it was on a neutral field. Like, that's just not good enough, man. And the Dolphins as a whole, because it's not just about the players on the field, it's also the management. And this is why I'm throwing like the whole team in there. Because their management stats, as you know, because they made a trade with the 49ers. And then the 49 or then the Dolphins traded up to uh the sixth pick that the Eagles had from 12 to 6 to uh, get Jalen Waddle. I think he's been good, whatever. He's fine. It's not that the player is bad, but like that was clearly just such a dumb trade because now the Dolphins are potentially giving the Eagles the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft. I think that pick, is, at the very least, is kind of looking like top five right now. And that is crazy that you would <laughs> give up that kind of pick. Uh, it's insane.
1: Like you mentioned how the Dolphins look at their schedule and they see a bunch of winnable games. Here's the problem. Everybody that plays the Dolphins looks at that and says, that's a winnable game for us, you know? So like, yeah, maybe they can beat some teams, but right now I have no confidence in Miami. None. They beat the Patriots in week one, 17 to 16, and then they haven't won a game since they got shut out by the bills, 35 to zip. Like I'm not in on Miami right now. I'm not in on Flores. I'm not in on anything they have going on, even with those extra picks from the 49ers, which by the way. I think are probably going to end up being pretty good picks. I have no confidence in them to do anything right. Like, if they haven't started winning by now, what are two more first-round picks going to do for them? You know, unless they trade them for Deshaun Watson and he suddenly gets Mm. all his legal issues cleared, which is a huge if, then maybe we can talk. But right now, I have no faith in the Miami Dolphins. I'm staying in that division for my LVP point BLG. I got to give it to Bill Belichick. Wow. And I'm sorry. Your guy. I know, but it's fourth and three from the 36 yard line. And you have Mac Jones. You're in overtime and you decide to punt. You punt. Like, I don't understand why these coaches are like this. And afterwards, he said, Well, they have Greg Zerloin. He has a really big <laughs> leg. So. They would, you know, just have to gain one first down. They could kick a field goal and win. Why do these coaches, BLG, always, always approach these decisions from what if we fail? That's how they constantly look at it. And I don't understand this. You're the Patriots, Bill Belichick. You think it's riskier to go for it on fourth down than it is to punt the ball, which, by the way, You've already had a punt blocked in this game. You've had two punts blocked on the year. You think you have a better chance of punting the ball successfully, stopping the Cowboys, which you have not done in the entire second half, basically. Dallas went punt, touchdown, field goal, missed field goal, field goal. So they've been driving right down the field on you the whole second half. You think your chances are better of punting, stopping them, getting the ball back, and then driving all the way down the field again to kick a field goal, than they are to gain three freaking yards? Like, that doesn't make sense to me, especially from Belichick, who has been a very progressive coach. He was going a forward on fourth down before anybody was going forward on fourth down. I was stunned to hear that explanation from him.
2: The game was over as soon as they punted. Like, who didn't think that? Like, who thought, like, the Cowboys were going to punt or something or something, you know, really bad was going to happen? I, I just don't think anyone saw that realistically happening. Just, again, look at the weapons the Cowboys have in offense and thinking, like, yeah, we'll hold these guys to a, a punt. Like, cause, like you said, it's not even just about, like, keeping them out of the end zone. They can get a field goal, and then the game is over. Um, So it really... Good choice by you putting Bill Belichick, who has been exposed thoroughly as a fraud, and only was good oh, because on. of Tom Brady. <laughs> it's true; he's not the same coach without Tom Brady. He's not. If Tom, if he has, if Tom Brady is on the field, first of all, I don't think Tom Brady even lets him punt. But does he oh, punt well. if he has Tom Brady? Well,
1: but th- he doesn't, and that's why I was kind of like. Sad, like put the hands in the game of your first round pick a quarterback who, who threw a horrible pick six and then came right back with a 75 yard touchdown pass. Like give Mac Jones a chance to win the game. Right. That'd be a, a, a like Patriots moment for him. Right. A welcome to the NFL type moment. And he didn't even give him a chance.
2: That is one of the biggest underrated things stats that you hit on there about like going for it is you're empowering your players. You're making your players feel like, hey, our coach trusts us. Let's go out and prove him right and not like let him down. And that's and then it's very rewarding when you get it. It's like, okay, now that we've kind of built up that trust, our coach is going to trust us to to get it again. Like it's this kind of this thing that builds on itself. I think that was a really underrated part about the Eagles 2017 season when they were super aggressive that year and Doug would go for it the players would talk about that the players would say like we really like that Doug trust us because it makes us want to go out and like play hard for him and and like and be in those spots and deliver so yeah when you and but when you when you do that like the opposite end it's it's the opposite message it's like hey I don't trust you and uh it's a big missed opportunity for the Patriots to pull off what could have been a very big upset Uh, And a much needed spot for them if they actually want to make the playoffs this year, which I do not think they will.
1: By the way, where did the Patriots spend all their money and resources in free agency? It was all on the offensive side of the ball. Hunter Henry, John Smith, Kendrick Bort. Like, that's where you invested all this money. Shouldn't you trust them more? What was the point of spending all that?
2: Nelson Aguilar, who they did throw to on that third down. And surprisingly, he couldn't come up with it. That's, that's <laughs> another thing. Why are you targeting Nelson Aguilar in a crucial spot? No, don't do that. Like, that's, that's just no, you're asking for bad things to happen.
1: Stock down, Patriots. All right, who's your uh, last LVP?
2: My last LVP. Kind of tough one to decide. I didn't have an obvious jump out, but I'm going to take someone who I think clearly deserves it. And that's Teddy Bridgewater. Because, you know, here the Broncos are. They're 3-0. Everyone's like, oh, you know, Teddy is actually looking good. Maybe this is finally it. And no, same Teddy Bridgewater that you're not going anywhere with. He had three interceptions and a lost fumble and a big loss against the Raiders in a really big game and, like, a spot where, like, okay, you know, the Raiders kind of could, like, fall apart here, given everything that's going on. And we could kind of take advantage of this as the Broncos uh, with a home game and kind of like, you know, make our stamp and show people where we actually are like a little bit better than people think we are and kind of take advantage of that. And they didn't, they, they folded, they, they crumbled. It is so clear that when you were starting Teddy Bridgewater, you're just spinning your wheels going nowhere. He's fine enough that you could do worse for sure. And you could be like the jets or the Texans and you could be, you know, or the Jaguars and have one of the very worst records in the league, but you're not going to do anything special. You're just going to be stuck at best. And I just, it's just, I I think it's the worst place to be. So Teddy Bridgewater, he stunk. I don't get why people think like, wh- how is this still happening? How are still people like, didn't, we watched the Panthers last year and see their ceiling and why the Panthers wanted to move on for him. And now, on a different note, I don't think the Panthers, you know, moving on from Teddy to go to Sam Darnold is a great move for them. But they were right to move on from Teddy Bridgewater at the very least. And I think for the Broncos, for this to be, like, their best option, to, t- like, t- to tell your fan base, like, hey, this is the best we can do, it's just not good enough.
1: When Jimmy Johnson was at Miami way, way back in the day, he had a player make a really stupid decision, and the player was really worried about... What's Jimmy Johnson going to say when I'm, you know, now that I come back to the sideline? Jimmy Johnson looks at him and goes, "You know what? It's not your fault. It's my fault. I recruited you." And that's exactly how I feel about Teddy Bridgewater. Like, why do people keep giving him chances to be a starting quarterback? He is not. He's just not. Teddy Bridgewater will be a great backup quarterback. Sure, a guy that can come in, win you a couple games if your starters hurt. Like, that's exactly who he is. But for some reason. Teams keep thinking that he's a starting quarterback, and he keeps proving them wrong every single time he's on the field. Terrible job by Teddy. I love that you put him on here because everybody likes him. He's a great guy. He's a great person. He came back from that <laughs> horrible injury. But the truth is, he's not that great of a quarterback. Sorry, Teddy. Sorry, Denver fans. And RJ and I predicted this. When the Broncos were 3-0, and we were telling people – This is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to get crushed the next three games, and we're going to forget all about the Denver Broncos. they got to play the Browns. they got to play Washington, and then they play the Cowboys. The losing is not going to stop for Denver. Sorry, Broncos fans. I get a little emotional sometimes. That is going to do it for the off-day debrief. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you are already following us, we greatly appreciate it, but just take – two seconds leave us a rating and a review it's a small thing you can do but it makes a big big difference for us enjoy your tuesday everybody blg thank you very much again happy belated birthday talk to you next week